Well, good morning out there in Radio Land. What a day the Lord has made. What a glorious day it is to be alive for the kingdom of God. We are excited for all that God has done, is doing, and is about to do. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, He is more than enough this morning to make you an overcomer, to get you through, to walk you through. And we are so excited to live in such a day as this. For this is the day that the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice, and we are going to be glad in it. Welcome to this October 18th, 2023. It's the only October 18th, 20, 2023 you'll ever have. Lord willing, you'll have a October 18th, 2024, 25, 26, 27, but never another 23. And so today is the day to make the most of what is before us and know that God is fighting for you and not against you. And we are going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. It's going to be a pretty day. Um, looks like sunny. I'm um, going to rise all the way up to 70 degrees today and then hang out. Looks like around low, mid 50s. Um, it's going to be, let's see here, low of 46, a high of 70. So can't complain about that too much. That's about yeah, that's about pretty. my weather. I like that a lot. Well, it's Wednesday, so uh, Miss Hannah and Miss Katie's in the room, and Jacob's running five minutes late. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. How are you all doing this morning? I'm good. How doing are you? good. Hey, Amen. Uh, <clears throat> y'all ready for the day? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm ready. Hey, Amen. I'm always ready. <laughs> oh, I gotta go to the. Well, I don't have to go to the dentist, but I gotta take three kiddos to the dentist this morning, so I'm not ready for that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we have to go all the way in town for these because of the insurance and yeah. all this. It's mm-hmm. it's horrible. Yeah. And so a lot of people are actually facing that issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's only there was only one in town that would receive certain insurance that a lot of people have and then now it, they don't anymore. Yep. So we have to go all the way to E Town for these dentist appointments and it's just a well checkup. Or what do they call a dentist checkup? Oh, it's not a well a, checkup. It's a cleaning. Cleaning. Six month cleaning. Yeah. Or yeah. Really cleaning. I could see you being a dental hygienist, really. Katie. I I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't like the mouth. You don't like no mouth stuff. I'm yeah. I'm a nurse, so I leave the mouth to <laughs> the dentist. And I could just see you in there though, like like snot and saliva. <laughs> like it's not your deal. That's not my thing. Like, yeah. I can clean it up and not not get sick, but I no. I think I got to be with Miss Katie on this one. I don't think I want to put my finger in a bunch of people's mouth. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a little weird. Like the two things I couldn't. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't like feet and I don't like mouth. So I kind of, I can see that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> now, Miss Katie, she's like, now nah, if you just. The sound of that drill just. Oh, I know. So you don't want to be a nail artist and you oh, don't want to no, be. No, a... no. I'm not artistic. <laughs> God did not give me an artistic ability. <laughs> Like I, I can nurse all day long, but I, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, if if she needs to clean up something or give a shot or I can, I'm your girl, I can do that <laughs> all day, all day. But if you got a mouth problem, call somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yes. And if you need your nails painted, don't even think about calling Miss Katie. Yeah, <laughs> no. I love it. Thomas Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I forgot about Miss Charlotte. For the nail. I mean, for the mouth. For I don't know. I don't know if she's going to paint your nails either. Um, <laughs> she might. She she's your, pretty fierce. <laughs> if you need your nails painted, call Eliza. She would love it. <laughs> yeah. Her and uh, Jocelyn were given, or not Jocelyn, but Audrey were given Ivy her facial the other night at prayer meeting. 
Yep. <laughs> they had Ivy in the bathroom. <laughs> That's That's, so cute. That is very I, accurate. Um, I, Ivy was very compliant. She, <laughs> she just went with it. Yep. Abby's learning to go with a lot of things <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and so, but, uh, Jacob no. probably knows all about this. He has a bunch of girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> facials and makeup. And I mean, Eliza is obsessed with that, like facials, and she calls it skincare. She, I think she just wants to be like oh, a that blogger. That's what she called it. Yeah. She likes making videos and acting and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think she's, actually, she's pretty serious about it, though. Like, she really does. <laughs> She really does know skincare product, like what to use, yeah. when to use it, how to use it, hey. and she organizes Heather's. Maybe she'll be your little <laughs> esthetician or a dermatologist. Well, um, she's gonna have to get over her cheerleading phase right now because that's all she does. Yeah. <laughs> she just cheers all day long, every single day, um, and you know, like she went to the Grayson County High School football game this year because mm-hmm. she takes gymnastics. So she's trying to get me to get her private gymnastics. I'm like. What's the difference? Like, it's the same person teaching. She goes, Maybe she's wanting to go to the Olympics. Well, she goes, I don't really want to wait in line to use the balance beam. So if I have 30 <laughs> minutes by myself, <laughs> I can really practice that. And, That's like, funny. the thing is, she's, like, pretty serious about it. Like, she comes home and practice. She gets into it. And then, you know, we're taking pictures of her cheering at the football game. And she's like, Dad, this is called a stunt. And this is that. And I'm like. I know what it's called. <laughs> I mean, um, and so, but she is, she's really, um, she's dead serious. And I think her skincare is to get her ready for cheerleading. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's all circulation. Like it's just this circular movement of she's making sure she moisturizes right to make sure she looks right when she cheers. That's, that's yeah. Probably to make sure her makeup, do they wear makeup when they cheer? Um, most of them do. Yeah, usually they do. She probably wants her makeup to go on the right way. And yeah, yeah, she's pretty smart. Yeah, she she definitely loves it. Um, and so she's she's always like, "What do you want for Christmas, Eliza? Uh, skincare. skincare, skincare. That's what she says. Skincare. The best place I've found to get that kind of stuff is TJ Maxx. Yeah, yeah. they sales some good or Ross. Yeah, Ross. Yeah. And you yeah. you can find the name brand stuff really marked down. Yeah, well, I, I need to get her used to that because her. Yeah. Like on vacation, she didn't want to go to any store other than Ulta. Oh no! Well, listen, we the the one and only time I've ever been in Ulta, we me and Jocelyn went in there, and Audrey, and I went to the right whenever I walked in, and that was the like high end makeup, mm-hmm. like two hundred dollar, three hundred dollar uh-huh. makeup, and the uh, <laughs> the salesperson came over to me and she said, "Can I help you?" And I said. Yeah, um, I just I I need to be directed to the poor people section. Like, this is this is not this is not the section that I'm looking for here. Well, I will say my um, I have my I know this sounds really funny. I have my everyday cologne, and then I have my special cologne, and then the special cologne is more expensive, and I only use that certain times, and that come from Ulta, and that was probably one of the biggest investments I ever did. I, I, um, can't, I, I can't bring myself I just, to do it. I just go around the house and be like, I need to find something because my kids <laughs> use everything I have. Braden, yeah. I was like, why do you use my stuff all the time? He, oh, just, he uses your cologne. Well, he's all got the time. he's got a girlfriend now. You got to use cologne. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the one day I was like, you've been using my deodorant. What the heck? I said, tell me when you need deodorant. I don't want your old nasty, you know, underarms on my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. you're dead. I know. Yeah. I mean, and then the you know. The little, the other, like Briley, him and 
Briley get into it all the time because Briley's taking like an hour long in the bathroom. He says, how long does it take you to get ready? And then he'll get in there and do the same thing. And I'm like, oh, uh, well, it's nice. preparing him for a wife one day. Oh, um, I mean, how long it do you will continue. Spit on that hair, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, you get over that taking a long time to get ready. I can get ready in about one point three seconds. <laughs> I will if say I as you get I find as you get older you take less and less time because you don't have that much time because you want to sleep in longer. Well, when when you're married with seven kids, um, there's really no concern about what you look like. <laughs> it's just getting everybody from point A to point B intact. My yeah. my worry is every time I leave the house, did I put the right shoes on? Like I always look like, if I put two different shoes on all the time. I don't know why, because I'm afraid I'm going to put the wrong shoes on one day. <laughs> I don't know how people put different shoes on. Like, they feel different. So how do you not recognize you have two different when shoes When you're on? that early in the morning and you're groggy and you're just like, I got to get out of here. You just don't pay attention sometimes. <laughs> I've done it one time. You know what I wish? I wish we didn't have to wear shoes. Oh, no. I can't I, say I, I, I have to wear shoes. I would go barefoot everywhere. Would you? Yeah. Oof. Like, when you if in the evenings when I'm here... Yeah, and I'm walking around campus, turning lights out, or going to the sanctuary, or in the evenings. I don't have shoes on ninety percent of the time. I can walk yeah. across gravel. I can walk across anything. Oh goodness! It doesn't bother me a bit. Mm-mm. See, I've ru- I guess I, I've ruined my kids. <laughs> um, they're they're prissy in a way, I guess, like that. They if they <laughs> my my little niece. Uh, one day she come in. We seen her in Walmart, and she was like two. And she runs around with bare feet all the time. And her feet, I mean, were coal black. And the look on Audrey's face. She was like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I can do it. I've, um, hmm. I don't know why. It just don't, it don't bother me. Like, maybe I should have, maybe I'm like more Amish than I realize. Because uh, yeah. they can go barefoot anywhere they want. And they don't bother them. Listen, they're, they're little kids. They run around everywhere barefooted. Yeah. All the time. They Except don't bother me. In the wintertime. I remember going to Vernon's house and. I told the kids, put your shoes on before you go outside. And Vernon looks at me and he tells his kids, no, that's not no fun. Y'all take your shoes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I, I mean, I, I love being barefoot. I don't know what it is, but if I didn't have to wear shoes anywhere, I probably wouldn't. My uh, feet get cold. Well, I'll throw this out here since we're talking about shoes. They've, they've said, they've done studies that they make shoes too small in general in our in America, and that's why people have foot problems because, like, they're supposed to make shoes wider so that your toes aren't like together. They're able to like have room, and it like mm-hmm. literally morphs your your like bones where it like changes the huh. structure of your feet. And it it ha- hmm. they've found that it actually causes um, problems. See, people, I'm looking out for myself. <laughs> so that would be a reason to go barefoot. Yeah. Really, I played old basketball games barefoot before, without shoes. What if somebody comes down on your foot? It don't hurt. I mean, it, what, it pulls your toenail off. Oh, um, it. I mean, I've I've had my. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I mean, worst it, case scenario. I mean, it. Like, I've had people stomp it. I've had. I mean, I've. I mean, I've had it. And my, I play drums barefoot all the time. I don't ever wear. Mm. Like, I hardly ever wear shoes when I play drums because. Um, now, like is it against the law to drive barefoot? No, I always heard that. I've heard that. I looked it up. No, it's not illegal. Well, I don't I, think so. I don't know why it would be. Yeah. I've heard. I don't even know where I heard that from. I think that's just something your parents used to tell you, so you wouldn't so want to drive barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> he was learning. So you would put shoes on. I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, if it is, then I had broke the law before. Uh, 
repent and forgive me. I mean, honestly, I think it'd be better because you, well, for me anyways, the bigger the shoe I have on, the more of a lead foot I have when I'm driving. It's, so. it's, it's an urban. Yeah. yeah. That's um, true. I would probably have like less of a lead foot. or something, you, yeah. See, but I think the important thing to understand is that we're on holy ground. And uh, it, Moses was told, take off your shoes on holy ground. I will say, I love That's to take true. off my shoes in the sanctuary. Yes. Which, it pray. does help that there's carpet, so it feels, it, it's comfortable to take off your shoes. And it wouldn't warm, matter. But I like Car- it. Carpet, it feels more concrete. Free it does. When you're worshiping. Just make sure your feet don't stink. I mean, it, we're going to have stinky feet walking around, so we'll spray some cologne on them. We'll get some Aaron's good cologne. I'll, no, you I'll won't. my anointing oil That's what feet. That's what it is. We're supposed to wash each other's feet. That's what it is. We're going to start doing that before prayer now. Aaron always says he doesn't feel convicted. <laughs> no, Jason doesn't. Jason doesn't. Jason says that. I've done foot washings. I actually enjoy them. I think it's... I, I think, do, too. I like them. I, I've never been to a foot washing where I left and go, oh, that was, oh, that was awful. Like, I've been to several, and every one of them, I've really left impacted and changed. Yeah. So you've it's never got a bad foot? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's one person I know that I've washed their feet, and their feet was not nice. Um, I remember weeping the last time I did a foot worship. Yeah. It was such a humbling experience. Well. Joey Shaw says, it is not illegal to drive barefoot. He said, contrary to popular belief. That's what Google said. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, his dad joke of the day, what do lawyers wear to court? Lawsuits. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, we'll get off skincare and we'll get into heart care. And um, any other announcements we got going on besides Chili Cookoff, which is October 28th? We got um, the um, other crusade with Brother Lance at Potter's Hope that'll mm-hmm. be going on the 25th, 26th, and 27th at 633. Yep. On Commerce Drive. And then uh, the, the next man up is that Thursday, also at Clarkson Community, the 20th. Six and that begins. I think that begins at six thirty. I think it is, um, and so that's that's going as well. So there's a lot to do this time of the year. And then the chili cook off, of course, October twenty eighth. Put it on your calendar. We've been talking about it a lot, but um, show up. There's a lot of good items. Like honestly, in the auction, like part of it, there's a whole lot of good items. Um, uh, I've seen quite a few. And Miss Gretchen and Miss Greta got quite a few yesterday. And that's great. Um, I'm I'm hearing some gift certificates to places that we really enjoy so mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to get my money ready yeah. i'm thinking you need to save your money for you can use the money to dunk aaron in the dunk tank um <laughs> yeah if you want to see aaron jason you really aaron, probably jason. should spend all your money on justin <laughs> or jason me and josh are just trying to think of an incentive to get the, whoever gets the most dunks so we're trying to figure out something I love how everybody makes incentives for people, for the people that's actually getting dunked without ever asking the dunk. People. No, no, no. This is a contest between you three. Y'all want to get dunked more. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, we've thrown around ice water. I said, no, we can't do that to them. Uh, no. <laughs> do I get to be barefoot in the tank? <laughs> yeah, you can be barefoot. Yeah, I like barefoot. I'm going to be barefoot, but I will wear a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely wear swimming trunks and a shirt, please. Yeah, um, barefoot though. Um, I really do love barefoot. Y'all think I'm crazy? Like, I can wear. I've I've worked in the barn barefoot before. Don't bother me. I've rode horses barefooted. Your kids I, do too. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my I kids are barefoot that. a lot too. I don't know what it is. It's yeah, just I'm, I remember Jackson always walking around. Yeah, most time with a shirt off and yeah. some, no shoes. For me, <laughs> for me, like if you get me in a grass, 
and just barefooted, I love the feeling. Yeah, I love the feeling. Do you remember? I, I mean, I don't know if it is now, but I remember Jay. I was used to say, Jackson, you are so dark. I mean, he would in the summertime he would get really, really oh, dark yeah. because he was always outside. No shirt. They all no do. shirt and no sh- shoes. And I was like, my goodness, son. I said, I ain't never seen you yeah, so dark. I've raised some pretty good country boys, <laughs> <laughs> and then they stopped being country boys, and now I don't know what they are. Uh, <laughs> uh, Prayer warriors. Uh, some days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get in. We're speaking life. <laughs> uh, let's speak. Let's let's speak Hebrews. Um, <laughs> I wish I could speak Hebrew. Right? <laughs> Me too. Ethan's trying to learn on Duolingo. <laughs> is he? He's it, trying to learn Hebrew. It, How's that going? Is it? I biblical? mean, he's smart. He took different languages in high school, but uh-huh. is it know. biblical Hebrew? Huh? Is it biblical Hebrew? I don't know. I just don't know how they do that. <sighs> Well, like that there's, I think the the Hebrew, a lot of the Hebrew. Well, actually, no. Okay, so the Greek in the text is a dead language, so they don't speak that anywhere in the world world today. Koinia Greek, and I'm not for sure if the Hebrew or the text. I think it's still open. I, I think, think people the, still using. Yeah, but I know Koinia Greek is different. Yeah. It's it's a dead language. I think Hebrew's pretty much the same. Um, I think it's a dead language. I don't think anybody speaks that in the earth today. Um. All right. So, man, I think it's verse ten that we're at now um, of Hebrews chapter two. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And so here we are continuing on with this Christ supremacy, um, Christ being made a little bit lower than angels, so that he can, um, you know. He can get us in our proper place. He put himself in a place that was lower than the angels. We talked about that a minute ago. Um, I think it was Monday. But here now he's saying um, the subheading here for me is bringing many sons to glory. Well, what is what is bringing sons to glory mean? Um, I believe it means bringing sons to the glory of what the Father walks in. I mean, what Jesus walked in, he's bringing us into. He's making us into the image of himself. And so... But for the many sons and many brethren to come about, first there had to be one seed put in the ground. And who was that one seed? Christ. And as that one seed got put in the ground, many brothers and many others could flourish and um, come up out of the ground in resurrection. But it was saying, for it was fitting for him who for, for whom are all things and by whom are all things. This is another declaration of his supremacy and his um, honestly, his divinity and his power as well, because we are learning right here that all things are for him and all things are before him, which means that he created all things and all things are created for his glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a declaration of his divinity, of his um, his godliness, and also his he was here when the pillars of the earth was formed. He Before Abraham was, he is. And I think it's a declaration of who he is. And it's an insight that literally, you know, by him and through him and for him was all things created. I really like the next verse. I couldn't help but skip. Well, uh, hold on, we'll get there. And then in bringing many sons to glory. Now, that word sons there is not just men. It's It's a declaration of humanity bringing many to glory because we know that men and women both alike come to glory. Mm-hmm. Aaron, why would you even say that? Well, anybody ever heard the Gospel of Thomas? Uh, I remember you talking about 
Yeah. That only men will. Yeah. I mean, well, 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 the Gospel of Thomas, it's actually not like a bad book for the most part. Yeah. Like if you read it, it's similar to the rest of the Gospels. Um, we don't believe in the Gospel of Thomas. I don't think it's canon. It's not canonized and it's not correct. But the last little portion, a couple of te- verses in the Gospel of Thomas, um, Peter j- turns over to Jesus and says, can women enter into heaven? And Jesus told Peter supposedly that a woman cannot enter into heaven unless she makes herself a male. And so um, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty sure that breaks down the whole book. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to put Gospel of Thomas in the scripture until they realize, oh, okay, so maybe we should. The, is Thomas the author? It wasn't Thomas mm-hmm. that we know. It was a, a Thomas. Thomas. Um, it was a Thomas from the second century. And um, so the gospel came quite a bit later. But you got to remember there was those of the day that, you know, would have thought something to the effect of women can't go to heaven or women can't be this. And um, and I love that whenever, you know, Jesus did talk about sons to glory, but here it's a terminology. In this case, I believe he's alluding to humanity, not yeah. just men. The children of God. Yeah. yeah. Now, there is sometimes, though, that when he says men, it means men. And when he yeah. says women, it just means women. And sometimes he says sons and sometimes he says daughters. But in this case, I think he's saying... He's doing all this to bring many sons to glory, many to glory, and then to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. All right, Hannah, if you, you said you liked it, so take off. I just love it. For both he that sanctifies, right, or mm-hmm. And King James sanctify ith, which means continues to sanctify, right? E T H. <coughs> mm-hmm. Um, so he's continuing to sanctify, but also they who are sanctified are all one. I just love it. Yeah. Um, because he's continuing to sanctify us, <clears throat> but he and we are one. Mm-hmm. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Uh, yep. Anybody else? I'm just, you know, I was looking on here uh, on my Bible app, but the when they say brothers, sometimes does they referring to sisters too? Well, I think you always got to look at the context. Um, Wouldn't brethren it, be referred to both? Yeah, because it says the plural Greek word Adelphia. Adelphia. I can't even say that. Translated brothers may refer to brothers or brothers and sisters. I mm-hmm. just was wondering about that. Yeah. It seems like, in, I mean, in that context, it would be referring to, because it says both that he sanctifieth and those who are sanctified. Yeah. I don't think it would just be talking about the men. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. So here's going on. Um, the one source has been a source of topic for a little while in this scripture because so when he says the one who sanctifies who's he talking about jesus jesus for sure and then the one that jesus is sanctifying they're all coming from one source yeah. and that one source is uh, are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So what are they all of? 
like that what is the one source that's the question on the table a lot of times in this verse Mm -hmm. because we understand he who sanctifies is jesus and those who are being sanctified are us as jesus followers but we're all of one source or we're all of one the king the esv i reason i say sources they use the word source yeah um but that's the question I was looking to see what ESV study notes say because I'm always curious about this, and I never read the notes on this verse. Um, they think the one source is a reference to the common humanity shared by Jesus and those being saved or to their common descent. I actually do not agree with the ESV study notes here. Um, I think the one source is when he brings them all together under the the banner of of you know of of the Father, and that whenever they're born again they have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And so I think the one source is that unifying factor of the Holy Spirit. I was going to say Spirit, because we're all connected by the Spirit. We're all born of the Spirit. Yep, um, because having the Spirit is necessary to have, to be a follower mm-hmm. and um, to be born again. You don't, you know, the Holy Spirit, again, like we talked yesterday, is not there just to, you know, have the gifts. The Holy Spirit there is to conform me into the image of the Son. Yeah. And when we become partakers of the divine nature, that never means that we become divine ourselves, as Peter tells us, that we become partakers of the divine nature because of who lives in who lives in me now. And who's living in me, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, draws me near and conforms me into the image of Son, and now I'm being drawn and being made one with him because of who's living inside of me. And so I believe that he who sanctifies and he who he is sanctifying that he doesn't mind to be called one with them because they're sharing the same spirit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why he's not ashamed. Yes, to call them brethren, because now um, those who are led by the spirits, I'm sorry, I was about to, <coughs> about to cough. Those who are led by the spirit, to them he gave power to become the sons yeah. of mm-hmm. God. And there's been atonement. I think even like my mindset reading this, when I was looking at the ashamed, I was like, wow, like, you know, it makes sense we should never be ashamed of him because he's holy, but why, how could he never be ashamed mm-hmm. of us? But then, as we're talking about this, he he would be ashamed of us if we were still living in sin. Mm-hmm. There's no way we could have this verse right here if, we were, if we're still living in no. sin because we have to be sanctified and we have yeah. to be of one. So that, that thought isn't even, you know, the reason why he's not ashamed is because there's been a transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was unregenerate or unbelieving people? I mean, the Lord came. And, the Lord doesn't even look upon sin. So, like, as an unbeliever, like we say this a lot. I don't think as an unbeliever, you know, you don't have a prayer life absent of a relationship. Hmm. Now, can you cry out for salvation? Can you cry out, and the Lord may hear your cry sometimes. You know, you can have that conversation. Definitely, I mean, definitely hears salvation cry. But you know, like. I don't believe that as an unbeliever, somebody who's absent of ha- being born again, somebody absent of having the Holy Spirit live in them, I don't think you have a prayer life. Yeah. I don't think you can have a prayer life. I don't. The Lord in the Old Testament, too many times, and the Lord doesn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The only thing that changes is the way he can relate to us because of the cross. Yeah. And the cross grants him an ability to look at us and deal with us differently um, because prior to the cross, there was things that we couldn't do and he couldn't do. Because if he did it, he'd become unjust. And that was the great dilemma. How does a just God justify a wicked sinner and remain just himself? Because the Old Testament even discussed how if a 
if a righteous person justified a wicked person, they become wicked themselves. So how does a God who is completely holy and just justify a sinner who's completely wicked and unjust and remain just in himself? And that's why I think Romans says he is the just and the justifier of those. Well, he's remained just, yet he's learned to justify, and that was done through the cross. So that's what changes from the Old to the New Testament is how God could deal with us because of the cross. Mm. But who he is doesn't change. And so he is still wrath and good. Yeah. He is still holy and merciful. Right. Just just because the cross happened doesn't grant him the um, doesn't grant the ability to be merciful to everybody. You must still be born again, or there's major consequences of your sin. And so um, here, you know, it's not even that he just won't be ashamed. He won't even look upon you as a yeah. sinner. Like he's while he's while you were a sinner, he still died for you. But he's, he he can never condone and approve of what you're mm-hmm. what you're doing. I think that's why there are Christians who, when we've talked about like Christian liberty before, and you know, I think unbelievers and Christians both. I think that's why there's there are people who think that they can do whatever they want, yeah, <clears throat> and it's all going to be okay because God is loving or whatever they try to say because they don't know these principles of mm-hmm. what has to happen like they don't know the principles of God's character and when you don't know the principles of God's character you don't know that there has to be atonement or that there was already atonement but right. there has to be a the reason there had to be the sacrifice the reason there had to be atonement and the transformation that must happen for right. us to, to be under that blood because mm-hmm. if we just do whatever we want and never truly become born again then we're never under that blood <clears throat> Right. And that, that restoration never, we didn't accept the restoration. Yeah. You know, I just was thinking about, you know, when Aaron was talking about prayer, and, you know, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, you know, so that. Uh, that w- God just brought that to my mind, too, like two minutes ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the fervent prayers of a righteous man. Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. I love that verse. Noted, too. I, I, I've always remembered that in KGV. I was reading it in ESV, and. Just don't sound as good. <laughs> Does the ESV say effectual? No. What does it say? It actually says the prayer of a righteous person has great power at as, it's as, working. as it is working. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yep. Mm. Um, <coughs> and really, the righteousness of a righteous man doesn't come from the righteous of who you are. It's no. the righteous who Christ Jesus. was. Yes. Right. And so because Ephesians talks about, you know, we draw near into the the. Th- to the to the throne by the blood of the lamb like mm-hmm. that's how we draw near is by mm-hmm. the blood of the lamb and we understand what christ has done and what he's accomplished for us and on our behalf then we can walk in victory in it um you know i think there's been a lot of damage done to holiness and proper holiness because of sloppiness with things that's a incorrect understanding of christian liberty mm-hmm. um, because yeah. the christian liberty is not a liberty to sin and Christian liberty is not a liberty to to deal with things and have fellowship with undarkness. I mean, with darkness, what Christian liberty is is a freedom from the sacrificial system. This the freedom from the religious system, the freedom from circumcision, the freedom from not eating bacon. That's the things of, from the law. From the law. Mm-hmm. But it never grants us the ability to operate in witchcraft or do things that are sinful or say certain words or drink all the alcohol you want or do whatever things that Scripture speak against just because we walk in what we call Christian liberty. And that is found from Galatians 5. 
It's never given us permission to live how we want. Mm -hmm. Grace is never the enabler enabler to sin. It's the pardon not to. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the... Or to put other people down who are trying to walk in holiness and trying to follow their convictions. Mm -hmm. Because... I'm just going <laughs> to, food is, I'm not going to get into this topic. Like, I'm not going to go into the avenue of, like, gluttony and all that. But I'm just using this as an example. Like, I've seen other people, and I've been this person before, that have had certain convictions about maybe certain things to not eat or certain things to not drink and then certain things to drink. And every time that I would even, like, go on a diet or something, like, and try to eat something different than what everybody else around me is eating – it's crazy how much people be like, well, why are you doing that? Like, they just start to ask questions. And a lot of people just don't understand. But even not a topic of food, like, even if it's just any conviction that the Lord's given you. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people who don't, <clears throat> sorry, understand the, the, like, lifestyle of walking in holiness and the importance of it will try to call you religious for doing that mm-hmm. or legalistic. When really, you know, it's if we feel a conviction from the Holy Spirit, then we're supposed to follow the Holy Spirit, not follow, you know, mm-hmm. what other Christians are telling us to do. So, yeah, True. I got a question, a trivia question, but you know, I wish people back up, back off of me on one of my personal convictions. I have a personal conviction not to eat green food, and everybody <laughs> keeps pushing up against that. Like, it's a personal conviction not to participate in that kind of diet. <laughs> And that's a decision I made for myself. Okay, but did that come from the Holy Spirit? <laughs> he said personal. Personal so, conviction. It's his own personal. Stuff. Yeah, it's my own personal conviction. All right, Wednesday question number one. Who prophesied that there would not be one stone of the temple that would not be thrown down? Who prophesied that there would be not be one stone of the temple that would not be thrown down? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty, we are back here on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. We don't have an answer for that trivia question yet. Wednesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who prophesied that there would not be one stone of the temple that would not be thrown down? And we call in 270-257-2689. If you have a question or engagement for the morning throughout the day, um, you can text me at 270-230-6337. Just trying to give everybody a quick update on a couple of things swinging around in the news. I haven't been doing this a lot up until this Israel conflict. I've been trying to do this more. Um, There is a lot of swirling right now. There was a hospital hit in Gaza uh, two days. A day or two ago, 500 people were killed, I think, in the hospital. Was that it, too? Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, they try to come out and say Israel did it. Israel's coming out and saying that it was actually from Hamas, um, that the rocket that was sent from their own team to make it look like Israel kind of did it. And um, President Biden came out and made a speech yesterday saying the same thing, that it was not Israel, that it was a, um, a terrorist t- missile and that it was not Israel that did it. And Israel Defense, of course, said the same thing, that they did not hit the hospital, which, you know, for a lot of, a lot of um, especially terrorist organizations, that's not a surprising thing to, to fake, a, fake a, um, a shot like that. And they don't care to kill people. So, and they'll do it if it makes Israel look bad. So the news reporting on that is pretty solid, and most people are in consensus that it looks like it was not an Israeli missile that hit the hospital. It was actually a Hamas missile. Well, I know that there's that they've been shooting um, 
Hamas has been shooting it out of schools and trying to use them, like trying to use women and children as their guard. Like the shields. Shields, yeah. Yep. That's yeah. That's what I've heard. And then, um, of course, the war looks like it's probably going to expand very mm-hmm. quickly yeah. with Hez, um, Hezbollah and Libyan. And so it is, I think, Jacob Hayes said, how do you say it? Lebanon. I don't Lebanon. call it. Lebanon. Lebanon. But it's not L.A. It's not La. It's huh? L-E. Le- 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 Lebanon. Lebanon. I don't know. Leb. Lebanon. Lebanon. Um, I said it always said, by the way. Um, Villamon. Eat that. <laughs> all right. Uh, um, all right. So, But Hezbollah did say, I've seen in a report, that Hezbollah has vowed revenge. I mean, they're just using this whole thing like... They're using it as an open door, yeah, because they know Israel's yeah. got you know they're they're going with the Gaza Strip. So now they're they're kind of taking that, and conflict's yeah. been escalating over on that side of the border as well. Yeah, um, and then of course you have China inserting themselves, saying we're watching everything. Just remember yeah. that, yeah. It's making a threat. And then you got Iran. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I, and I know that Hezbollah even said today was going to be a day of vengeance for them. That's what they said today. So I'm going to be looking in the news to see what you know they're trying to do because they have raised the black flag in um iran right now and that means a day of vengeance and war yeah um it's it's escalating and then on the home front you got jim jordan who tried to win the speaker of the house and lost Mm. um he got um it was pretty convincing loss too it wasn't like over but it was that that one group of republicans are um, they're just not letting anybody i don't know what their end game is to be honest with you um, well, I even read that the Fox, I think it was Fox News, that said that that he may even try to use some kind of tactic that they haven't used since the Civil War, where he wouldn't need the majority. He wouldn't need the majority. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like at this point the party's hurting themselves and they need yeah. to get on it. Um, and so because we need a Speaker of the House, and if we're going to go to war in that kind of area. We definitely need to make sure we have a speaker of the house. I think that's why it's probably why they can get this to go because of the war. Yeah, I think um, because something. because we have we have warships, we have reports of submarines, we yeah. have reports of ground troops getting ready to go in if we not already gone in. Yeah, and and so it is it is a lot of escalation right now. And and I and I, I want to say this with respect because I pray for our leaders, but our leadership's very poor in this area. There's yeah. no. There's no uh, authority, and so we need men and women up there that specifically know how to lead during these times. And um, as for Speaker of the House, I personally, I, I mean, I, I can't get in trouble for saying this because this ain't a campaign, so I don't get to vote in this one, and nobody else does. But I do think Jim Jordan would be a good Speaker of the House. Um, he says some language every once in a while I don't agree with, yeah. and um, I don't agree with everything he's ever said. But I do think he has a resolve to stay true to what he believes, yeah. but he has the ability to bring parties together. One thing he has that I think a lot haven't seen in the past, he's got a little backbone, mm-hmm. and he ain't afraid to back up. But he doesn't do it in a sense where it's condescending. you know. Like He doesn't isolate the other half. Yes. He tries to take in what they consider, yeah. even though they probably can't stand him either. So, But yet you watch him during committees, and I've watched yeah. a lot of committees with him on it and stuff like that. and. Um, he does. He does a now. He never. He never compromises. No. But he does always show respect. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he might say what he believes, but like he's never derogatory towards people. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons that actually he has really good friends on the other side. Like he talks about some of his best friends. They go eat dinner with every night. Is not the Republicans. It's actually people on the left. Yeah. 
and he has an ability to push across the aisle. See, I'm wondering, I'm hoping, I don't know if they will break rank, but I wish he could get some Democratic people to vote for him. Well, I mean, I think if there's one person in the House that could, it would probably be Jim Jordan. I don't know why. He just has that propensity to pull people together um, for both sides. So I think he would be a decent Speaker of the House. I mean, uh, Trump came out and said a couple days ago he would be happy to be Speaker of the House for a little while if he wants. Um, and that's a possibility. I don't think anybody's going to go for it. But Trump endorsed Jim Jordan. Though. Yeah, he did get behind Jim Jordan. Because, um, <clears throat> I don't know, I, I just feel like we definitely need a Speaker of the House from if we're getting ready to enter the war. And, you know, for the Republican Party, I think they got to realize, even though, you know, the the Democratic Party, I may disagree on policy with a lot, but at least they're united for the most part. And whenever you got another party that can't even keep a speaker that and again i'm not a fan of mccarthy so i wasn't a huge fan of mccarthy yeah. um let's just hope that jim jordan doesn't take the 15 was it 15 times it took kevin mccarthy to get uh-huh. i mean we've we've got a um you know i we really do need it in there because if if you know they're they're the basically the well how would you say the second succession or the third it would be the second succession if something yeah. ever happened anything else yeah. um because it'd be the president vice president then speaker of the house and so. and I think with the whole issue here is, too, not just the war that's going on, but there's a lot of stuff that needs to be take, done here soon because the shutdown's looming over top of them right now. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. you know, they only extended the government shutdown till like, November the 11th, I think. Yeah. And so they have to get some stuff going, and this is this could, if they don't hurry up and do something soon, it could, it could drag out. And we got the elections coming up. You know, for just it's not the presidential, but we got a lot of important elections coming up too, and in some of these states, and it's just like, man, y'all need to get some stuff together. Um, and then, of course, the last thing on the news I'll cover today, just to, this is just to give us updates, because a lot of people ask me for updates. The kids at the school ask me for updates every day. They're like, "You're our news, so what do we do?" <laughs> um, and um, I think President Biden is traveling to Israel today. So he's there. Yeah, um, I just just got a notification. He just arrived. Um, And we need to pray for, um, we need to pray for you know our leaders and their safety and all that good stuff too. So let's make sure that we're in prayer for that to be a good, be a good trip. Um, And I I will say this: like I'm very critical of President Biden on a lot of things, Um, but I will say overall the handling of this whole Israeli things. At first, it was rocky with the barbecue. but I felt like, you know, a couple of them, a couple of the things he's done has been pr- pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And he's shown a lot of support to Israel. And I, I appreciate that. And yeah. I, my prayer is that it doesn't turn. And I even appreciate the coming out and saying, you know, it wasn't an Israeli rocket that hit the hospital. It was, you know, it was a Hamas rocket. And they fired on their own. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I always said that if, you know, I try to be honorable and respectful. And um, <clears throat> if he does something right, I applaud it and i think he's i mean i could say we could all handle it differently but overall in the public scene what he said and how he said it i appreciate his stance as the saying we're going to stand with israel like we're not backing up and mm-hmm. and actually the squad has taken a lot of sh- like a lot of critiques lately yeah. and um actually aoc that she got booed out of her own town yeah, she had a frustrated she that. had her home city and she started spewing off anti-israeli stuff and started spewing off some pro-palestinian things and hamas and i mean she literally got booed out of her home or it was like a town hall meeting or something like that in her own city and she got booed out of the building basically 
And so I think maybe this stuff will start waking them up to, you know, we're not tolerating this because terrorism will never be tolerated. And this is what that was. It was terrorism. And so, um, <clears throat> all right, taking my news anchor hat off. I don't put it on anymore <laughs> very much, but I do feel like it's important. Yeah, it is. For yeah. what, for where we're at today. Um, do you say same, something, Jacob? No, I was just thinking. Just, just breathing? Deep. Yeah, <laughs> a deep breath. <laughs> Uh, when it, especially when it comes to news, I'm always like, <laughs> "Is Miss Katie nursing there checking your lungs?" Yeah, <laughs> take a deep breath, Jacob. I do think we we need more voices of truth because you know a lot of Christians are listening to news sources that are just getting them fearful and yeah. worked yeah. up, yeah. and we don't need to just be filling our minds with chaos and confusion and yeah. things that aren't even might not even be true. Mm-hmm. We need to go and study things out mm-hmm. for ourselves and. Um, I know that you do that, Aaron, and um, I think we just need more voices talk, speaking about the truth in what is actually going on um, in our politics and different things like that. Yeah, so, man. yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, uh, has anybody brought any questions into the table today? Anybody got questions they brought with you before I maybe get into one or two? Mm-mm. All right. Sometimes people have questions they bring in or something like that. Jacob usually likes to ask really easy, simple questions. <laughs> well, I had one, but I'm going to wait because oh. it takes us too long. Well, we got all morning, so. Uh, about Ephesians 5. Okay. I'm just looking, you know. Um, where it talks about letting no man. Well, basically, we're talking about calling out stuff in Jesus is about fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it all be named among you. Not let it not be once named among you as become saint as you become a saint. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. You know, going on, it's basically calling out um, all these things that we shouldn't be taking partakers of. But um, I guess my thing is, where's it at? Where it says, I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of God, but rather reprove them. My question, I guess, is where do we use that when we're reproving somebody over these things, like a, a, a Christian? Are we, do we call them out? I mean, when we go out to do that, to do it the right way, what is your take on? Well, I will say usually... Um, that if you just walk up to somebody and say stop doing that it never really is effective yeah uh, i think we have to i think these are reproved within discipleship okay and what i mean by that is i think you do have to have a relationship with someone before you can really get their ear and their heart that's exactly what i was thinking and uh, i think unfortunately what a lot of people in the church does is try to reprove everybody they don't know yeah and and i think that for me i've never seen that effective I think what's effective is like um, when I was a teacher at the school and also the youth pastor and also the basketball coach, I got really close with these kids. I mean, I was with them all the time, me and my wife. And there came a point to where I could say anything in reproof to these kids and they would take it without getting offended. So if they, you know, if they were saying something or doing something, you know, and another person going up there and said, y'all stop it. There was like an offense. Yeah. But if me and my wife went up there and say, hey, guys, y'all need to kill, 
like kill it right now. Y'all are done with this. Yes, Mr. Aaron. Like I get it. Like I think in this, I think we have to be cautious not to try to be reproving somebody we don't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't know us cuz we I think we got to build trust a little bit to know that we're not trying to tear them down, we're trying to build them up. I mean, I guess my take is where do we when we're calling out people who are not walking where they need to be um like you said I, we, there's a difference in reproving and calling out i just seems like lately i've seen a lot of the body calling each other out and i'm just like okay the, i just don't feel like this sometimes this is always fruitful mm-hmm. um i think we can call out the sin but and call out those things that are and give it um, account for what we're doing but i think at the same time i see a lot of in inner fighting i guess mm-hmm. in dwelling in the church uh, not not here i'm just saying in general overall in the world i see a lot of disagreements and i feel like this is where we've developed um really church of god a prophecy separating from the church of god and you got the christian church separating from uh, the Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. So you've got so many Baptist churches, and and I feel like this is what I'm seeing is like, and I know that God's going to separate these things. And even Aaron called it out on Sunday. You said that um, there's po- possibly going to be some churches set, you know, shut down. But my take is, how do we go about calling this in love? Because I feel like sometimes when we call stuff out. We're just calling stuff out because I've had a lot of people say, "How do how do I get my point across?" It ain't about getting your point across. It's about getting the. It's about showing the word and showing God's love, but also standing firm on truth. I said you you can't just go around telling people they're doing this wrong and doing this wrong all the time. They're not going to listen to you. I said, but you can say this is where I stand. This is where I am. But if you're going like to a uh, ministry like a sidewalk prophet, I guess you could say. This is something that is dear to my heart because as a prophet, you do call things out. But I don't go to another church down the road under um, unless God said to, but I just don't believe he's saying, Jacob, go down to this church and call all my out down here. I just don't feel like that would be um, profitable. Right. I think if I don't know them. We, now, have, to, we have to pray more. Yeah. But I just think... I think too many people are just immediately acting on truth and not praying enough before they go to these to people because what i've seen the enemy try to do is cause offense and we get like in a sense we may say we're not offended but we do get offended when people buck up against us when when they don't agree with us and it's kind of like we speak out sometimes in flesh i feel like sometimes and um i just feel like sometimes there is a what there is a time to to bring forth correction to somebody but like Aaron says like if my kids go to uh, some random person I don't know if I would like them to spank my kids if they're not teaching what I'm teaching you know what I'm saying it's like I don't think that correction from them unless they see my kids doing something like Aaron if they go to Aaron's house he can spank them but if it's somebody I don't know yeah I don't know if I would allow that and so that's where I'm like hmm where do how do we do this biblically without causing a mess because what the world sees is a bunch of bickering and complaining they don't want to be part of the church if everybody's calling each other out over everything little thing you know and it's like i don't want but i want to be biblical because i do believe that we have to make sure that people are not living in this darkness so well 
people may not like the answers I'm getting ready to give a little bit on this. Okay. I think a lot of the correction should be coming from pulpits. I agree. And then, and then we're working out how we walk that out together. But what we do is we really have, we have like, I think a lot of times we're carrying around a shovel to bury people yeah. instead of a hammer to try to build people. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of our intent is to prove that we're right. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately because pulpits haven't been doing their job and what they're supposed to be doing because here Paul Paul actually never commissions anybody in, I'm just using this scripture there's other scriptures you can argue to go but like in this scripture specifically he's not telling everybody to go tell everybody else how not to walk in darkness he's actually speaking to you and saying as a believer as a, you're not to have fellowship with this yeah. and then if you go on in verse 8 for you were once in darkness but now you are in light in the Lord walk as children of the light Paul's actually just encouraging them. I, this is not who you are anymore. You, you, you don't need to walk in the darkness. You need yeah. to walk in the light. And everything that we do, I think if we live as an example, and I think, uh, I'm going to say this, and if we talk to talk more than we walk to walk, I think we'd be more influential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of times we're, walk, we're talking to talk, we don't live. True. And then our walking is actually invalidating our talking. And, and at the end of the day, I think we like to talk more than we walk because it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. And right. if we set the pace, um, if we set the pace instead of just talk about the pace, then people will start naturally following the pace. And so, um, like, <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think of an example here in two minutes. Um, <laughs> like, <clears throat> if, if somebody's telling dirty jokes around you at work, and you're you're around unbelievers, or even you're around believers. Okay, yeah. whatever whoever you're around, you can look at those people and say, "You all should not be telling those jokes." And is it an accurate statement? Probably. Yeah. Now, I think it's completely permissible to say, "Hey, you know, um, I don't really appreciate that." And now, if my kids are around, I will tell people hush. Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, I don't, you know, I don't want my kids to hear. Do y'all care to go over there?" Yeah. Uh, but if it's just me and them. I don't usually attack. What I usually do is don't participate. Yeah. And I let my walk and my my actions speak louder than just my words would. Because unfortunately, people say, well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't listen to those. And then they're still snickering over in the corner. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's kind of funny, but I better not let them see it because I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to think it's funny. And and they'll talk about it. But I think we have to get to the point where we, we walk it out. And I think this is what Paul's actually telling us in Ephesians 5 is to walk this out. Okay. This is you. And he's telling, like, he's saying, let no one deceive you with empty words. Therefore, you do not put be partakers with them. You do not participate in fornication, uncleanness, or covetousness, because it should not even be, be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness or um, foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather gift, um, giving of thanks. Well, who's he talking to? You. For this you know. You know that no fornicator, unclean person, no covetous man or idolatrous has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And so over and over, he's he's specifically instructing you to do this. Yeah. And do you think maybe he's just talking about reproving? He's talking about reproving or exposing in different in different trans- translations will be exposing the darkness, not the, people. The world, yeah. That's the problem is yeah. that people want to expose people. They don't want to expose the actual sin the spirit. and the spirit. And but, if we're living our life in the light, then we're automatically going to expose things just by walking on the scene, even without saying anything, just like Aaron was saying, just by living our life for Christ, yeah. walking in the anointing. I mean, honestly, there's been people who have just 
started to confess things without anybody asking yeah. them anything. And that is what anointing will do True. is things will start to expose themselves. Yes. I'm not saying there's never a time because, I mean, if the Holy Spirit leads you to maybe have a conversation with somebody that you do have a relationship with, like we talked about earlier. But I think that can't be our focus. Our focus has to be running after Jesus, walking in the anointing, and then things will be able to be exposed automatically. Yeah. But that's just... And we're going to take a break. It's a hard break. And then we'll come back and discuss more like what these conversations look like when they're had. So uh, we still have an answer for this first trivia question. Who prophesied there would not be one stone in the temple that would not be thrown down? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty. We are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio this is the day that the Lord has made, and Miss Mary Royalty got it correct. Who prophesied there would be one sore stone of the temple that was not cast down, and it was Jesus himself that said that in Mark 13, 1 through 2. So congratulations, Miss Mary, on that, getting the answer in. We'll do our second trivia question at this next break, and we'll keep moving forward. Um, now, I do think that... Um, when we start to talk about the conversations that are had around this, I personally think this, when you are, um, this usually what, now what we're talking about here is not preaching the gospel. Okay. We should preach the gospel, but this is talking about how we relate to unbelievers and how we're growing in consecration and sanctification. I think in these parts, then you have to, I think it's much more profitable instead of just telling people how to do it that we start to have a conversation about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is involving questions. And um, a lot of times when I've had, I have been engaged with people in these kind of conversations and it happens quite often, instead of just telling them what I believe, I ask questions. Yeah. So, all right, well, what about this scripture? What do you do with this scripture? How do you handle this scripture? Cause this scripture seemingly points to this. Um, if they're using foul language and they're professing to be a, a Christian, I say, well, what do you do with when Paul said, let no perverted speech come out of your mouth? Exactly. Like, how do we reconcile this? And I just want to hear them. Like, and here's the important thing. Let them talk. Like, a lot of times what we do is we'll ask a question. How, what do you do with it? And they say one word. And we're like, no, no, that's not it. Right. All right. Let them talk. And another thing is, is you, you, you take somebody and you, you pull them to the side or say, hey, can we, go out to eat can we can we meet can we talk like you don't you don't go about it in like a group setting to try to condemn somebody you you pull them to the side and then just just have a conversation and talk say what's you know what's going on you know what you know tell me about what's been going on with you lately you know you don't even necessarily have to just immediately call it out but and and you need to really pray about it that you're going at it with the right um, spirit and mm. not just in self-righteousness, you know, even though, you know, you may know that, that they're participating in, you know, maybe this awful sin or, or whatever the case may be, but you have to um, certainly go about it in the right way. You know, living your, living a godly life in front of unbelievers will start to change their behavior um, because the Bible says that, um, it talks about how bad company ruins good morals, and I mm -hmm. think that that works the other way around too. Uh, 
good company, good ruins company bad can morals. ruin bad morals. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so good. for unbelievers, it's different. For you know, it's it's different. You know, I don't think that we should be going around. We shouldn't be. The Bible never tells us to be going around calling out unbeliever sin. You just you tell them the gospel and you mm-hmm. love them and encourage them. Encourage yeah. them. But I do think Jacob, you were talking about believers, right? Believers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and of course now I think Miss Katie is one hundred percent right. I think you tried to go to that person personally. Yeah. If you feel if you feel like the Lord's leading you and you have that relationship with them, mm-hmm. now if you have no relationship with them whatsoever, I would encourage you to get a relationship first. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, but then correct correct scriptural church discipline on these situations of open unrepented sin is they you should approach them first and foremost individually, mm-hmm. and then if they won't hear you. Then you bring an elder back, right. just one or yeah. two, three, yeah. Yeah. and then if um, and you, they kind of talk to the elders, and then then it would go before the church if it's an unrepentant sin. Now that's not going to happen every time somebody cusses or something like that. Yeah. Um, that is blatant open sin in in church in churches like um, Church of Corinth. You know, a guy was sleeping with his mother-in-law, so that's a pretty big deal mm. in the church. And so that was something that came before the church. And that was something that was brought before the church. And he was actually, you know, excommunicated from the church for a season um, of hopes of reconciliation and yeah. that he would feel the weight of it. Now, people really freak out over the word excommunication because we have a lot of bad taste in our mouth from the Catholic Church over the centuries of, you know, like Martin Luther wrote the 95 Thesis. He was excommunicated from the church and tried to be killed the rest of his life. So yeah. that's not what I'm talking about. Like, and John Calvin messed up one time. And, um, John Calvin had a heretic put to death um, over the situation of Trinity. But you also got to remember Martin Luther and John Calvin on them came from a very strict Catholic background. True. So this is what they were accustomed to. And John John Calvin, I think he wrote later in his life, it was this one regret. He said he, and he tried every way not to do it, but the, the church was still coming out of Catholicism. So they were still trying to learn, and they were looking for John to do this. And John actually went to the prison and begged and implored the guy to recant his statement on the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And the church still had him put to death. I'm not saying the church has always been perfect. Yeah, We've done some mistakes. So we have to be careful with this word of, you know, we're never to bring a shovel to the fight. We're to bring a hammer and hoping to build. Yeah, yeah you don't go to somebody trying to tear them down. You go with help. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, too, and love. when you go to reprove somebody, it's the intent of the heart? Are you there for them to be restored? Are you there for them? Are you just there to call people out? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think it's your. I think you got to have your motivation, your heart. Why are you doing it? What's your purpose of doing it? And if if you are doing it solely because you want to be right, yeah, that's what I'm your heart is as wicked as a person doing the thing. Yeah. And because honestly, it's not about who's right and wrong. It's about the word, sure. and it's about the truth. And that's what we should be pointing everybody to. And I say this a lot. If the word offends you, that's yeah, okay. True. If a person offends you, that's not, that's not okay. And I think there's a whole bit difference. If the word is offensive, that's Christ Christ himself said that would happen. Mm-hmm. But if you're offensive, you don't have permission to do that. And so um and I think at times we're okay with offending people because we do it under the banner of what we would call truth. Yeah. But I think we have to walk in truth and we got to walk in the word. But if I'm giving them me and not scripture, mm. then I got to make sure I'm doing it in the right heart. Because if I'm offending them because of what I believe yeah. and not offending them because of what scripture says, 
then I'm in the wrong on that one. Because you become a stumbling block for them. I mean, if you're giving them your own. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I say that specifically to pastors. Like, just because you got the microphone, don't give you the permission to offend and say what you want. True. And um, we have to go back to the Word, and we have to be based out of the Word. And this coming from a guy that I do realize I say things that are very offensive. Um, and we've had people that come to church here before and left because of it and then come back a year later and say, okay, I probably need to hear this. And and sometimes, but I never want to offend out of my own self. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when we were preaching last Wednesday night about husbands leading the house, and if you have a woman leading your house that's out of control and dominating and domineering, and they're wearing the pants in the relationship, and you're terrified them as the husband, you got a Jezebel spirit in the house. All right? That's not popular. Nobody wants to preach that today. But I'm not saying that of my own self. I'm saying that from Scripture. Mm -hmm. Now, if I just went up to people and started just offending for the sake of offending because I don't like their wife, that's a whole other story. (laughs) And that was never my intent because I wasn't preaching to anybody individually. I'm just saying if you have a house to where Jezebel and Ahab is remaking itself, Mm -hmm. and that's dangerous territory, that's anti-biblical territory, and that's not scriptural. Do you, mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. I know this is just a wild thought in my head. We're not going anymore down that road. No, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. This is a wild thought that hit my head. Do you think that we have a lot in America— of Jezebel and Ahab households, and that's why we're seeing a lot of men going to the women's side now because they've allowed the. It's like the man is not being the man no more, so the man is kind of. Are you saying like the transgender? Yeah, or the transgender because now they're. It's because we let Jezebel control the household for so long. Now they want to be Jezebel. So they think. In order for them to have the power, they need to be. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I, I think. Know, I think the attack of genderism is a takeaway identity. Just period. Yeah. Um, now, to have this talk about Jezebel and Ahab in the church in the houses today, yes, and I I blame a lot on the church. Yeah. Because the church demasculated men for True. a long time. The church made everything feminine. And well, if the government did too. The government did too. Slowly, but, but, slowly. But the natural follows the church. Yeah. And when the true. church sets the pace, the natural will follow. And the church was doing it far greater, far actually farther out than the the natural in a lot of senses. And if you look at like worship in the church for a long time, it was never supposed to be like it was very feminine and it was very like all the music was kind of girly and all the music was slow. And people said, well, what's got to do with anything? And people said, well, you're not really worshiping if you're not crying. But I think at that point you're demasculating what God created men to be. Because if you look at Elijah and you look at Elisha and you look at John the Baptist and you look at some of these prophets, they were manly men. I mean, they were the kind of men that would fight a bear. They were David was the kind of man that took out a lion and a bear. David was the kind of man that went to a guy twice his size and says, "You want to fight? Let's fight." You know. And now, if you take that kind of guy in the modern day church, well, you just need to get born again. You have an attitude problem. We've demasculated men. And we've not let men be men. Now, I don't think men have the permission to go be Mr. Tough Guy who wants to fight everybody. But you've heard me say this, Jacob, is I believe a good dad and a good husband can fight a bear but be gentle enough to hold the baby girl. And we have to discern what's needed. And 
I and think a lot of things got overcorrected. Th- that's the word. It was hitting me because I was thinking, yeah. you got this. And because then you got it used to be the extreme before that happened. It used to be the extreme of... Chauvinistic. Yes. Men for a can't time. cry. Men are just strong. Men don't cr- do any of these things. Like, you know, I get, uh, yeah. So then well, we I just completely demasculated what is it? Then we just completely demasculated them. And we, yeah. yeah. And then so we that wanted, would be overcorrecting. Then we have a, wonder why we have a bunch of Ahabs running around letting Jezebel run the household. True. That's because we've, we have a spiritual fight on our hands and we're not seeing it. And I think just as there's a spirit of Jezebel, there's probably a spirit of Ahab kind of deal. Like, And it's not Ahab's spirit. It's not his ghost yeah. and it's not Jezebel's ghost. What it is, it's the same spirits that manipulated and twisted them mm-hmm. to live that way. And then because men and women weren't dealing with what they were called to do in raising up sons and daughters, Jezebel's daughter then came and married the king of Israel. The king of Israel died, and Jezebel became first ruler of Israel in the kingship mm. manner. The yeah. word gives us a perfect outline to be able to find balance. I mean, because the word is perfect. True. But the enemy has always tempted the church and the world to be one extreme or the other. Never mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the absolute truth. Because you can flip those scales and say that just as a Jezebel's not supposed to be dictating and running Ahab's house, Ahab's got to live such a life that's honorable and deserving of submission. Yeah, it works both ways. Yeah, exactly. And um, and you say, well, Aaron, why are you going to all this? Well, this is actually going back to what the scripture that we don't walk in darkness and we don't have fellowship with darkness, and we've got to correct things. But those correcting things do have to be intentionally like when I when I speak on this stuff, I don't go up to people personally. Yeah. So like, I mean, can we all say we probably know families like this? Yeah. But it's not my responsibility to go into their house and say you all need to fix this today. What I'm supposed to do as a, as a minister is preach the truth, sure, yeah. and then let the truth do its work. I, and so, was it, I, go ahead. I do think that. Jezebel is the spirit or the you know the imbalanced Jezebel and Ahab both of them are somewhat behind the LGBTQ movement because if you think about it I mean Jezebel wants you to have a wrong identity because she's taking a wrong identity in trying to get the power and a like they're both in their wrong place and so I do think it could have a um, influence Mm. what (laughs) You smile. Uh, you got time for it? one yeah, more? Yeah, go for it. Uh, well, it goes back to where we was talking about the effectual fire prayer. Above that, on verse 16, James five sixteen, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be helped. Now, when I was growing up, it used to be like, we, and that's why I wanted to ask, because in the ESV, it says, Confess your sins. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't say so that you may be healed. No, I I've always taught, and I know this could be a bad <coughs> teaching. Um, that false doesn't mean you just come out and say, "Well, last night I went to the club and I partied all night." You know, I've had people do that in my old church, and they would tell me every day, every time we'd meet, they'd do the same thing every week, and they would tell us their whole story. I'm like, man, I don't know if that's uh, you know, profitable. So I'm sitting there thinking. Is this talking just one, like, like, personal to each other? Or is this talking about confess, like, your sins before the church, you know? Um, all right, so I believe at this point what James is actually talking about there um, is that 
we grow together. Yeah. We stretch together. And I believe that when, if I'm struggling with something, so I'm having a bad day, Jake, I'm having a horrible day. Can you pray with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally do not believe we go and confess every sin to each other. Okay. I don't think that's what this scripture is given permission to. Now, if I have sinned against you, I do need to. Yeah. So if if I went up there and sinned personally against you, which then would be a transgression, yeah. then I need to get you, I need to repent to you and I need to apologize. Why? Because we both need to deal with unforgiveness. We both need to be forgiving of each other. I need your forgiveness and you may have done something to me to need my forgiveness. And that unforgiveness will birth things and it'll cause cause divisionary walls to be built up. Yeah. But I do not believe there's ever a scripture that says we just have to repent everything to each other. Okay. Um, I think in this one, it is so that we can grow mature and specifically, especially, let me say like that, if I sinned against you, I need to repent to you. My thing, but why did the KJV use faults and the ESV is using sins? Is there, is there a word, Greek word that's different? Well, I mean, why didn't they just say sins? um, I would say, I would say the more accurate, um, why didn't they use sins in the KJV? They did use sins in the KJV, right? No, in the ESV, they use faults, they use faults in the KJV. That's why I'm in trying to, verse. And to understand why they changed it. Oh, the KJV it to, uses faults. faults. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ESV is saying sins. Okay. I, would, I don't have the word in front of me, but I think I've looked into this before, but I would say you'd probably find it's the same word, just a... James 5.16. James 5.16. Let me go in my my strongs. I don't it really I don't really mar- like strongs a lot, but I'll do it. What'd you say, Hannah? Martia. Martia, which I, um that's a pretty common word for sin. So Yeah, it says sin a bunch in here. Yeah. Hmm. Um that's why sometimes there's things in the KJV I'm like, why don't you just come out and just spell it out? Well, I mean, there's all. such different kinds of sins and yeah. um I actually would not be opposed to I think you get in the word fault sins, they're all going to be under the same word. Um, and I think the writers there, when you're when you're interpreting and you're doing textual criticism and you're doing all these things to actually translate correctly, you have to decipher which one is Paul really using, or in this specifically, like what's James really yeah. using? What's he trying to say with this word? Because the problem with our English language is it's a poor language. True. It's so big. Every word means different things. Yes, yeah. and we can have, we can have the same... We could we could have one meaning with eight different words, and eight different words meaning that one meaning instead of just one word meaning that one meaning. Just like it says, the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. Don't that actually mean? That means Hades. actual. That means the local. Actually, the gates of hell is an actual real place. Yeah. So this is the gates of. <clears throat> I've just heard so many different interpretations of that. that but way. you can say Hades. You can say hell. You can say mm-hmm. Lake of Fire. They're all pretty much the same, same place. Thing. And so, whereas the writer, the the Hebrew or the Greek, a lot of these words are the same. Yeah. So you look at gotcha. you you look at um uh like the word behind adultery, fornication, sexual morality, they're all the same word. Yeah. And so when we're talking and we're still going to do the remarriage, divorce and all that, I just don't feel comfortable doing it yet, not because I'm scared to, I want to be right. <laughs> yeah, I get you. And it's a really hard topic. And so we're not um, there yet. And I'm not there in my study. I I'm still going to do it and um I'm getting there. Like I'm studying, I'm thinking, I'm pondering into it and but you get into the word like that where Jesus is talking about, you know, except King James used the word fornication. 
ESV and other ones use the word sexual morality. You look at that Greek word behind it, pornea, then it's kind of like, it can mean very vast. It kind of encompasses a few Yeah, things. it can mean adultery, it can mean fornication, it can mean incest, sin, yeah. um, in, it can mean incest, it, it can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. And so that's where it starts to get really tricky at when you're starting to do these interpretations is there's one Greek word that can mean about 18 different English words. And so the right, the interpreter or the translator has to sit there and go, okay, what are they actually saying here? Yeah. And I think sometimes they missed it and sometimes they, they got it good. Um, for so when we get to heaven, we need to tell Paul, why couldn't you use the simpler way of telling it? Well, to Paul, it had been fine. I think when Paul wrote it, they understand what Paul was writing. But now it's just the separation. The hard the, part is us getting to understand what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and making sure that we're understanding the correct word of what it what it can interpret as. Mm-hmm. Uh, for another example, the second coming of Christ, the Greek word behind there is very fast. Yeah. So, you know, what is what is he alluding to? Is it, is it all the same event? Is it not the same event? Like, these are things we have to tackle because of the words being used and how the Greek language was very specific and very pointed. Like, um, sometimes whenever... Alonzo and Deanna and them's all interpreting from the Spanish, then they find difficulties because we'll use a word that we'll use a word that means like can mean like eight different things to us. Yeah. And they go, We don't have a word for that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because America's become a very complex language. And I think it's so complex we've complex Yeah, English is a very hard language yeah. to learn, That's is what hard, I've yeah. been told. One one more question if you I had a question too, okay, but ahead, we can get it when we All come right. back. We can get mine when we come back. All right, well, do he has enough time for mine. Do, do yours oh, first, Jacob. No, <laughs> Aaron's like, go ahead and do yours first. So well, no. <laughs> and then we'll do Hannah's after the break. <laughs> this is this is the last of the day because me and um, Katie were talking about this about the firmament. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you believe the firmament has fell? Like I fl- like, do you think it's still in in the sky? I believe the firmament that was over the earth before the flood did collapse. It it says <laughs> that the the windows of heaven were stopped. Um, on the flood, uh-huh. I believe that the firmament though that was holding back the rain that it it released its weight because I believe the water came from above and below the earth. And I believe the earth actually flooded within minutes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but we I, still have a firmament. Because the firmament, it, it, like whenever you look at the word in the Greek, it kind of, um, and you compare that word with the word heavens, it, it basically is a lot the same. It's the arch. It's like arch-like structure in the sky, heavens. It, it kind of is... It kind of means the same thing. It could mean the same thing, but it ne- I don't think it necessarily has to, because I think there's different dimensions of what we would call heavens. Um, because I think Paul even talked to himself, there's a third heaven, and there's a second heaven, and and I don't think that's geographical location. I think the word heaven can mean cosmo cosmos, um, which basically means the the stars, the universe, the sky, what we're seeing. And I think that's where you have to start unraveling. I'm looking for. Um, I'm actually looking for the part where the f- with the firmament and all this. Is it Genesis eight? Uh, Is it eight? Um, I'm thinking it was seven when it started. Um, uh, it, yeah, seven when it started, eight when it stopped. Yep. 
Um, it says the ESV says the windows of the heavens were opened, and then whenever it stopped, what verse was that? Seven, chapter seven, verse eleven, and then eight. The windows of the heavens. This is chapter eight, verse two. Mm -hmm. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. Okay. Um. This in chapter seven, Genesis seven (laughs) and eight. Yep. Let me get there to this one. I want to look at this word. Um. Uh That's verse eleven in chapter seven, right? Yep. Um, it is a a our uba ba. Okay, Jamie. So <laughs> like, our <laughs> uba. Um, Are you reading the Hebrew? Yeah. Uh, it could. It means um. Which which word? The window. What is this window? A lattice, a window, drove caught chimney, sluice, um, with opening of water. See, I would see this, and this is how most creation scientists teach this as well. Like, um, I know Dr. Grady McMurtry, he, I think he's talked about this before, that here in verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the window of heaven were, were open. open. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that as it be, I think at some time, um, because it said it came to pass that the waters, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Because at this point, was it? Um, it wasn't. All right, let me see here. So Genesis, or I mean, uh, ESV and KJV kind of read the exact same almost. They're similar. Yeah. yeah. ESV and KJV is. Uh, yeah, they almost read the exact same. They both call them call it the windows of heaven. Uh huh. But I wouldn't see that necessarily. Like I would see that if 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 heavens and firmament in the Hebrew are different words. Yeah, but what was the purpose of the firmament before the flood? Because here he's saying the deep, the waters of the deep. So here we have the waters from below and the waters from above both collapsing right, upon like, the earth. Like it, it it just says it opened up. Yeah, it doesn't really say that it collapsed. But it just says what it was opened. the point of the firmament? To separate the waters from the water, the waters from above, the waters from below, which were but not separated no more, the, mm, because they're still it's say. raining, but it never rained before the flood. <laughs> <laughs> that that's where I would that's where I would think I would push back is it it never that, rained prior to the flood and now it is raining. But if that's your argument though, then if the windows of heaven stopped, then it wouldn't rain anymore. Well, no, I think that the firmament's broken. I think the firmament was the window that was holding back the water from the heavens. Well, it may have been broken then, but it says the windows were stopped. And, and then, but it's still like, but hold on, which part here? In 8. In 8. In uh, chapter 8. Well, I think at that point, though, it would just say it stopped raining. But that don't mean that it's never like, I don't think that means that it permanently stopped because then we would never have rain again. If the firmament is fully back into place like that, then I'm not a scientist, so I'm just trying to stretch here. Because y'all, didn't, y'all did not tell me he was going to go here this morning. Um, it was a surprise oh, for you, just Aaron. just a surprise question. It's okay. We don't have to go that far. I anymore. thought you had told me that you believe it broke, but I, 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 did, I wanted to make for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what far greater people smarter than me, like Ken Ham and all them, I think they think the same thing. Um 
<clears throat> but my my view on the flood has changed drastically over the last probably three to four years when I started studying creation um, science in deep. Because actually, I was a gap theorist for a long time. What um, does that mean? That I believe the earth was here oh, for millions, millions of years. Oh, millions of years old? Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, but I did believe it for a long time. And, right. Um, sometimes then I, it's hard to... Sometimes it's hard it's hard for to reconcile for people's science and and the Bible when you look at it a certain way because um science is kind of a religion in itself a little bit. Well it can be, but if you use science correctly, then, then science then should glorify God. Sh- right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um it should glorify God and it should be the I, me and Brother Bjork always said it's a telescope that we look yeah. through God's glory for him. Um, because science will testify God's glory if done correctly. Because um, even Charles Darwin, Charles Darwin, who created evolution and the theory of it, he even said that it was not true. Like, he said it himself, it wasn't true. So I think true science magnifies and points you towards Christ. I think man-made science doesn't. And if you get into, like, carbon dating, well, carbon dating's been proven to be pretty wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that's unsubstantiated science at this point. People just keep pushing it because mm-hmm. nobody will push back against it. Um, but <clears throat> I'm trying to look for where it does talk in context. You said the windows closed because I'm a big context guy. So if it's there, I'll, I'll, I'll ponder on it and see what I see it saying. Just something to think about. But it, you said it was in chapter eight. Chapter, uh, yeah. So it says, this is, this is what the ESV says. Let me see here. It says, uh, the fountains, the of, fountains the, of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed and the rain from the heavens was restrained. So that almost tells you that they still there now which verse are you talk about here i'm still not I'm eight, still, two. Eight yeah. two okay so the rains from the heavens was restrained mm-hmm. the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed, closed yeah well at this point they they would have been because the earth had been flooded at that point like the job here is done um and the the windows of heaven were stopped I'd have to look at that. I, I still, um, but but if you if you go with that though, then does the firmament just open up every time it rains? Then I don't know. That's what I'm. Because I, I mean, when Elijah and and James one eight um, stopped it from raining for three and a half years. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, this is all the questions surrounding flat Earth. Um, so are you? <laughs> Which you would saying it, that the firmament prevents rain? Well, the, that's what the firmament. There was something there in the sky yeah, that held the waters above the because it never rained before. Yeah, yeah, and that had to open up, but it wasn't just the sky opening up; it was the deep opening up too. Yeah. So the flood wasn't just that it rained so much it flooded the earth. The flood was that from the bottom and the top oh. rain crashed down upon the earth, and we believe that's what would have cut the Grand Canyon in a second that kind of pressure yeah we believe that's probably what cut the earth into different land masses and pushed it off is yeah. that great yeah, flood i know that i just yeah. didn't realize that it never rained yeah i mean yeah. Where, where it had never rained from that it never rained does it say that yeah it does say that it does say where it never because the dew of the ground would the dew in the ground in the morning but it never rained before and that that was in the story of noah that it never rained before um <clears throat> because you can go back to where is that at uh let's see you can go back to um Uh, let me see here. So the morning dew was the thing that that, that nourished everything. Nourished everything. Yeah. Never caught that. 
All right, this is really bad radio on my part. I'm usually pretty good at multitasking, um, and I'm not. So usually I can talk and study at the same time, but I'm struggling here because I'm trying to look for that verse where it did. Sometimes phones are good for that. Sometimes they're not, depending on what you're doing. What would you say, Jacob? Yeah, you're mumbling over here. We can't hear. (laughs) I'm just talking to myself. Um, I guess is that where they get Genesis 2-5? When no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had sprung up, for the Lord did not cause it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Um, well, that was that was bef- before yeah, the creation of man. Man, that's true. I'm just reading where people get that too, because mm-hmm. I mean it's something I've been taught too. But because at the that, same time. yeah, we're still talking about creation here. Yeah. Does anybody know a verse after? Um, or when Adam and Eve, and afterwards, after they're out of the garden. <coughs> Let's see here. <clears throat> Let me go to what Jacob was just reading. Um. All right, so here you're talking about Genesis 2, verse 4 through 6. And <clears throat> actually, I would staple my hat on the fact this isn't creation. This is what's going on. Um, per se, after the creation. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified. This is a history of the heavens and the earth that were created in the day of the Lord before any plant um, of the field had it, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. All right, so let me see here. No, this isn't the verse I'm looking for. I'd have to look at this. Um Okay, you think that they get Hebrews eleven seven where it says, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Were they taken of concerning events yet unseen? I don't know what that's in the... I need to look what it says in the... And a mist was going up from the land and watering the whole face. Are you still looking for that, Aaron? Yeah. It's Genesis 2, 5. <clears throat> for it had not rained before. But that's not the one I was specifically oh. looking for. Um so, but we do have to go to break yep. here and give me a second to get my thoughts together. Um, I would say um, we can have this conversation with the firm. You're still not going to convince me of flat earth. Uh, <laughs> you will never convince me the flat earth, um, and, but I'm not a scientist. So I'm, I'm trying to get all my thoughts together on this as well. So, but um, let's take a break here. We're going to read our second trivia question of the day. Wednesday question. Number two, which of Jacob's sons? Oh, no, Sorry. Wednesday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. What, according to Proverbs, is more precious than rubies? What, according to Proverbs, is more precious than rubies? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to reconcile in my head and thinking here. And um, But I am going to answer this question because I, I still don't believe it rained on the earth before the flood. Um, I'm, I'm looking into I, I'm it. I'm going to research it too. It's interesting. It's, it I had never um, heard this debate. I didn't even know this was a... Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, debate. It's a big debate. Well, um, I usually am better prepared for debate, but I had no 
<laughs> way of possibly understanding that they were going to bring a flat earth question in this morning. <laughs> hey, but you say that's the fun of it, right? Not not knowing. Oh, wow. I, I guess so. Uh, I mean, we got other questions. It was just the firmament. Uh, maybe mind. bringing Katie on Wednesday with Jacob in the room as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't no, a no, good no, idea. No, listen, listen. <laughs> we just want the truth. You know, if we're wrong, we want to see it. But we're just trying to figure it all out like everybody else. All right, Hannah, what do you got? Okay, so the common... What made me go to Revelation 12, verse 10 through 11, was, you know, the common statement of, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm -hmm. It's very, I mean, it's a verse, but it's always talked about in church as that way. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, And so I went to where it talks about that in Revelation 12, verse 10 and 11. Um, So we can read that, and then I'll say my question on it. Um, I'm in the King James Version because my phone died and I can't read any other version. Um, so I have my Bible. Um, and it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their own, they loved not their lives unto the death. So my question is, who is who is they because we know it is true that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and our testimony like christians do but in this specific verse who are they talk who is the author talking about because later whenever it says they loved not their lives unto death because i've read some different commentaries and um there's like a debate whether it's talking about specifically martyrs and Mm -hmm. and ones who will love not the lo- their life until death and literally give their life mm-hmm. um and so there's a debate that it's talking about that's in this verse we know the truth that all christians are over- going to overcome right. but in this verse is it talking about martyrs when it talks about the they the these specific people or is it talking about um christians in general who die to themselves and love not their lives by dedicating their lives to the gospel and to jesus Good question. Anybody got an answer? <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. Huh? Well, because I actually, I didn't realize, I thought that the verse or one of the translations actually said, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Like, I thought that was the verse. It's they, but, but if you back up, now I'm in the ESV, but um, for the, it says, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers. That kind of goes, that's the same word verbiage that was used back in Hebrews. So to me, it's talking about all every Christians. Yeah. It's, it's not like we're, we're not just talking about, um, the martyred, um, that's I think the reason I think the reason why they think that is because in this context of what it's talking about, it's talking about tribulation and like the end times. Well, well, this is talking about whenever Satan was thrown down to earth. I mean, Satan's already here. There's the argument right there because some people do believe that he hasn't been. That's just an argument. I'm not saying. So they believe that he didn't fall. He didn't. He wasn't thrown down here. I yet. think this is where a lot of people see that where he's thrown down they think that he still has um 
what's the word I'm looking for, Aaron? He has access to a certain part that I think a lot of them believe that um, they're in this, because there's a lot of different people that believe that Satan don't get thrown down until this time. Yeah, um, well, okay, so if we look back up here and if we go back up and the war broke out, Michael and his angels fought mm-hmm. with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan deceives the world. He cast, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So some people believe that this was all the way back whenever Lucifer actually failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, this. Um, so this is a separate. Yeah. Yeah. Because he does have access to a certain part of heaven, right? Right. Okay. I yeah. see. I see. Yeah. 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 I don't think it's always referring back. I, I think Lucifer could still actually walk into heaven today. Yeah. Okay. I, because I, I think Job I shows us that. that yeah. Because yeah. he has to go before God to ask. Correct. Yes. And then he said, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for those accuser of our brethren who accused them before night and day had the cast them had been cast down. And they overcame him by the love of the Lamb. Therefore, and he, what I handed to say, therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. I think he's talking to those who've already died and yeah. those who've already persevered and those who've already made it. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, which is salvation, by the word of their testimony. They never refuted. They never walked back. They stayed the course of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. But do you think specifically in this context they're talking about the ones who persevered through tribulation or everybody who's ever persevered i think heaven. everybody because it says therefore rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time so he's saying woe to you who's still on the earth yeah mm-hmm. but those in the heavens are rejoicing because those are the ones who've already made it mm-hmm. and they don't have to worry about the devil being thrown down into the earth and so yeah. i just i don't know i think it's i hadn't really made it made a found came to a conclusion on it because you know it's after it's whenever it's saying therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them obviously the ones who are already in heaven would be rejoicing that their brothers and sisters who made it through tribulation Mm -hmm. you know persevered and and that the enemy was being defeated so i I don't know i because i i don't think um I could see it both ways. I could see them rejoicing because everybody made it, or I could see them rejoicing because um, they know that the people that survived through tribulation made it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> um, I'd be happy to look more into it. I'm just going by off the surface, kind of mm-hmm. what I'm yeah. Yeah. is there. Yeah. Um, and it's not like a I want to answer today. I just thought it was interesting to think about. But I, I think it's taught a lot as martyrs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I was but contextually, you never see martyrs no, mentioned. Yeah. Um, so that's why I would favor more. Uh-huh. Um, but even if it's not talking about martyrs, what I was thinking about is it could be talking about people in tribula- tribulation, if that makes sense. Even the ones that didn't necessarily get martyred, but ones who like stayed faithful to the Lord. Well, but then you would have an argument, though, that there's been tons come out of tribulation so is it just those specifically because if we're at the seventh trumpet um is that where we're at when this one right revelation sometimes it's it gets a little bit um tricky with he goes he goes back and forth forth. Um, because if you go back to revelation 10 he's already talking about the seventh trumpet this is the seventh yeah it's the seven revelation 11 revelation 11 yeah but then he goes back and 
Um, I think it's strategic that he's putting this after. I believe the seven bowls can happen quickly. quickly. And I think they will happen because this is the day of wrath. Yeah. And I think yeah. the seven bowls could very well be happening like instant, yeah. like it. pop. And that's when Satan would be cast down. Yeah. And so because I think that in our minds, we try to like put this over like a long time span. And that's kind of where we get. Now, yeah. some, the the first few, that's where I'm, I'm a disagreeing with a lot of people. The, I think the seals and the trumpets are going to take a little more time than the vows. Um, mm. Well, I think your seals are your establishment of what's happened on the earth. It's the release of it. And then yes, you got trumpets that become a lot more active. That seals that ha- there's things that happen in the seals after I've been studying it that a fourth of the world is <laughs> taken out. Yeah, I mean Which the seals are still, still dangerous. Million people um, are gonna die. It would a fourth of the earth would be more than that, wouldn't it? I'm if, just saying, if we, that would be two million. No, that'd mean, be two billion people die. Yeah, how many yeah. billion people eight, on the earth? I think we a couple billion. People. We 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 so cracked. Didn't we crack the eight billion mark? Did we crack the eight billion I on the earth? I, I think we're close. No, we're. Um, I guess China would have a billion and. Oh, well, I mean, we were. I know we were at seven billion, and I thought I read somewhere well, that we were fourth, about to crack the eight million a mark. A fourth of the world—that's uh, to me, that's right. So, do you all think that this is talk? Because I, looking at verse twelve, so do you all think this is talking about all the ones who have already been to heaven, and not including the ones that are in tribulation? Because it says, "Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea." I think that's saying, "Woe to them that are still there." Yeah, like ones that. Yeah, because there's going to still be people here. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, is that talking about people who still have a chance for salvation? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what yes. I'm saying. Because that would still be in, well, it would be in wrath. It wouldn't be. There's still going to be people that live. I mean, that's why he's saying woe to those because he's coming down and he's going to be and are, pouring are out those, his wrath upon people. Are those that are living during the wrath, are those the ones who will there be survivors out of that yes. that go into the millennial? Yes, that's what I thought. Um, this is where I want to have another study so we can figure this out. Yeah. Um, but I, I could see that now. I mean, I could see it talking about all the ones who have already yeah. went, there, went there, to heaven. There will probably before. be a underground church at this time. That some will pro- there'll be a lot that will lose their life, but there will be an underground church that I believe that will come through. That, mm-hmm. so. I actually don't believe it's going to be an underground. I think it'd be very open. Well, I'm, I'm just saying that they're going. They're going because to I think be it's going to be wise a, about what they. It's do. going to be a resistance. Yeah, because you got to think the 144,000 cannot be touched, so they're going to still be on the earth. Yeah. They're they're not they're not going to be touched all the way through the whole thing. They cannot be. <laughs> so I yeah. mean, 144,000 is not a whole lot if you think about how many people's in the earth. But I mean, it is quite a few people, and so. Well, I think these are. These are questions that we're all looking at again because we've been taught a lot of things that we can't. True. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I can really agree that I've been taught that I 100% agree with is the gospel, the virgin birth, and the round earth. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, no, 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 oh no, 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 no. But, you circle. know. <laughs> well, this question, I mean, I wasn't. A circle is round. I wasn't expecting us Flat, to get round. into the whole spire or the whole uh, lump of the end times, well, but you, I just yeah, thought yeah. it was interesting that you you really can't have one without the other though. Like it's going to have to understand everything to understand exactly what's going on. Yeah, and um, and I think that's what makes eschatology so difficult to understand. Is for one, no one's encountered it yet, and for two, is that 
one taking one piece of the puzzle out, like yeah. one Jenga stick coming out on this one can crash the whole thing. True. And so this is where it's so hard to deal with sometimes. And, um, you know, always, we always have to look at two because a lot of times there's arguments of the restrainer because the restrainer actually shows about who and when things can happen because a restrainer, like if you think of a restrainer, it's something that holds something back. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that's emphasis on where you see the things come into play. So it all has its part. So we have to, we have to line up online, precept upon precept. So we have to go, okay, this, who do you believe the restrainer is? Who do you believe, you know, and so that can open up things on how you see in time prophecy mm-hmm. because, you know, I agree with Aaron with who the restrainer is, but the time period might be different for both of us about where it comes to play. Yeah. Because so. Um, but I think because this specific question and these verses mention the wrath, I, I think that it's more. Um, well, if he's talking about the wrath, the only time wrath is mentioned no. for the seven are the, the, the vials, the bowls. Yeah. The, that's the great wrath. Yeah. He calls it the great Yeah, that's wrath. what I'm saying. So, I mean, this is more, I think, an easier one to answer about the ones who it's talking about, who overcame by the blood of the Lamb. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, Pastor Dwayne Kitt said, according to John MacArthur, a person can be redeemed even if they take the mark, and he disagrees. Um, off the top of my head, I think I'd have to disagree too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to hear what John MacArthur says to see just how he's wording this, but I don't encourage everybody to do that. I, I mean, uh, um, <laughs> what? Like, he don't encourage he you to encourage take the mark. Oh, yeah, yeah um, and and plus, I don't encourage people to you know. If I hear like something like that, I usually like to hear it because I want to see what they're saying, how they're saying it, what they're saying. Um, and I read and study a whole lot of things I disagree with because it's either going to sharpen me or it's going to change me. And most of the time it, it will sharpen what I believe and, you know, give more ammunition to it. Yeah. But um, I don't disagree. I mean, I don't agree with the fact that you could probably take the mark because I think at that time you're taking and implementing your system. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. And I think you're agreeing with that st- system at that point. Um, but eschatology, I will say this, we, we're on the way out. Eschatology is probably the hardest thing to study because it's the one area that you will probably always be changing in. Yes. And if you're always changing how you understand, like I'm, I'm changing in a lot of the ways I see scripture because of truth. I will never change on the gospel. Yeah. I'm solid on the gospel. I'm you. You'll never change me on the virgin birth. You'll never change me on the resurrection. You'll never change me on the death. You'll never change me on Ephesians chapter two, those kind of things I'm unchangeable in. But when it comes to eschatology, if you can prove me something in Re- Revelation or you can disprove something I believe my whole life, mm-hmm. I'm open for change because I want truth. Yeah. And I think open-handed sure. issues we can change on without being wavering and double-minded because I don't, right. I don't think that's gospel. what... We need I, to I think be firm in... Well, whenever these things start taking place yeah. in the natural, we're going to know. Well, everybody's looking for truth right now we're because gonna, they're like, Israel's at war and we're about in a world Things are going to match up. Nothing is ever going to happen that's going to not be in line with yeah. this word. It is something I think that we it needs to be understood. I've heard pastors say, oh, it's not important. It is important. No, it is important. Because I said, we want to know truth. No matter, it's it, here's the problem with for so long. I know we ain't got a long time, but people were taught this. And nobody studied it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. They were just taught it and believed it, just like everything else in life. That's we get right. taught something and we believe it. And it's like now people are starting to think for themselves. What is what is you know what have we been taught that's been an error? 
what have we been taught that's not no. true? So um, <clears throat> now I do think there's one thing. Last thing, and we gotta go. Um, one listener said they suggest that some may be taking the mark unaware. I disagree. I don't think anybody's gonna take it unaware. I think you'll no. fully comprehend what's what's happening. And I think we have to be cautious to always continually make everything new technology the mark of the beast because it's not necessarily yeah. the case. Like Social Security number, credit card numbers, all these things at one time. That's the mark of the beast. That's the mark of the beast. Yeah. And I think we have to be cautious to be driven by every single thing. True. Like we, we, It's like I said a couple Sunday mornings ago when Israel started this. I don't always initially just say something the next day yeah. because we have to look at what's going on. And we have to step back. And, That's um, why a lot of people are afraid of these things coming. I used to be afraid because, oh, well, that's the mark of the beast, you know. All right, we're out of here. We love you guys. Be blessed. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings with Bob.